Hello, quarantine! Welcome to House Music with me, Steve Pretty. This is the show where we get music to take a long, hard look at itself to think about what it's done. If you've just joined us, thank you very much for being here, but don't be that person who comes in during the final five minutes of Lord of the Rings trilogy and says, oh, what's going on? There's been all sorts of stuff going on in this series, uh, so do try and catch up if you can. Here is a quick rundown. We have looked at Pulse from the perspective of a baby in the womb. We have gaffer taped shakers to our bums and built drum kits out of balloons to explore rhythm. We have travelled to space to get mathematical with the music of the spheres. We broke the monotony of lockdown with some dramatic drone sounds. I attempted an intercontinental jam session with Indian violinist Jotsna Srikanth. We explored melody with vocalist Eliza and last episode was all about harmony, what it is, where it goes and why, with a little help from folk singer Sam Lee and, uh, well, my dad. But this is the final episode in the series, so we've decided to mix it up a bit. You can probably hear that I am no longer in my studio shed. Uh, I'm actually over in Suffolk, just a few miles from the most easterly point of the UK, and it's a typically grey, slightly drizzly, slightly chilly summer day. So I'm having the classic British seaside experience. This is our end of term episode. Uh, I feel like we've pretty much done music, We've explained everything there is to know about music so far, so now it's time to kick back and relax. This is kind of like a teacher bringing in a video for the last day of term. Thank you so much for sending in those excellent questions, and we're going to be answering them this episode with comedians and husband and wife pair Rachel Paris and Marcus Brigstock. And as well as dipping into the post bag, we had a great chat about what music means to them and why Marcus's response to Prince's death was to take up the trumpet. Thankfully for me, they also helped me to justify my existence as a layabout musician, which I've increasingly been struggling with during a pandemic. But first up, I thought I would give you a little glimpse behind the scenes of house music. Now, I usually record this podcast from my garden shed, uh, which is a floor-to-ceiling hoarder's wet dream of instruments, sound equipment, AV gear, all sorts of stuff. I have a bit of a problem. Uh, So I'm usually too embarrassed to let anyone much in to see it unless they're there for a session. Uh, But in the interests of, uh, well, transparency, I suppose, I invited my podcast partner, lockdown housemate, and I suppose no less significantly, the mother of our two children, Joe, for a poke around. Yeah. Welcome. Where are you? You're suggesting I sit on this I can sit seat. in there if you like. You can sit in here. I'm your guest. Should I not sit in the comfortable seat? <laughs> <laughs> it would be more comfortable. Fine. Give me that about it. Fine. I see I've never sat in this room. Well, I've never sat in this room at all. But I've never looked at this room from this perspective. I think this is quite good that I'm sitting in this chair. Yeah. It's all right, isn't it? Hmm. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, how do you want to describe it? Okay, um, it's a box and almost every surface is covered with musical paraphernalia, including a tambourine, a big drum, I see a camera suspended upside down from a curtain rail, a sort of talking drum from Africa, two electric guitars, uh, a shovel electric guitar, is that what that is? Yeah. A big lighting rig, uh, a small projector, one, two, three, 
four keyboards, some gong chime things, a bass drum, an electric drum kit, many pedals. I mean, it's a fire hazard. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a lot of wood. I'll say that. There's quite a lot of wood. There's quite a lot of cables. There are a lot of cables. I'm not sure that cable tidies have been employed to f their full extent. No, I know. Well, I'm, I need to do some cable maintenance at some stage. It's, it has got, yeah, it does need some some work doing to it, it's true. But it's a nice room. It's all right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's personality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's some slippers on your ceiling over there. <laughs> there are. That's, I was wearing those in the winter. I was taking, for my, I had my commuting shoes, which are sort of garden clogs, and then I was taking those off. They're crocs. He doesn't like to wear They're not crocs. They're not technically crocs. They're He's anti-croc. They're, they're not so crocs. So he bought non-crocs, but picture picture garden clogs, clogs listeners and um i yeah and then i would exchange them for my slippers on the way in but of course that's not necessarily during the summer and actually that thing up there is is a, a what's called a tongue drum which is a sort of metal thing a bit like um i guess a bit like a steel pan mm -hmm. um but it's in the corner there and it if i'm listening to music loud as i obviously frequently <laughs> am it resonates quite a lot <laughs> so i always have a kind of like a, a, a what's that what have, I, what have i done to this mix it sounds really weird but specifically <laughs> in my back left ear <laughs> like in my ear behind me my left ear and uh yeah so i've got some slippers just temporarily dampening those steve actually has four ears that's why he specified yeah, back, right. back left ear Se musician secret um yes this would have this lockdown would have been much trickier for us professionally and parentally if you hadn't had this room. Yeah. Listeners, you should have seen our house before. You should see our house now. <laughs> you should have seen our house before all this stuff was in the shed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You should have seen how many packages arrive at our house to enable all this stuff. And that, well, it's nice to see all these packages opened up. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's taken many years of... Mainly it was when I was pregnant and um, the doorbell would ring and I would have to waddle up from the <laughs> yeah, sofa and answer the door. I was, or, or I would, but it's true, I was out a lot. <laughs> Last year, I, I was yeah doing shows and stuff, because um, shows existed then. Do you remember shows? Ah, shows. Do you remember shows. Shows were good. This time last year, I think I was uh, doing a production of Midsummer Night's Dream at the Globe Theatre. It opened this week. Last Did year. Did it? Yeah. Yeah. Sad times. Indeed. Fingers crossed. One day those things will happen again. But anyway, made a podcast series. Series one. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks for your contributions co-star mainly unlisted co-star <laughs> this again <laughs> Joe got very offended that she wasn't listed on the on the thanks last episode you stand by it <laughs> yeah I stand by it well you you, you do every episode so I think people appreciate maybe people it should be it. house music with Steve Pretty and Joe Gerd <laughs> maybe <laughs> uh, well, yeah we can revisit that yeah so I, I had a word with the um, uh, the, the boss of podcasts and they told me that uh, unfortunately it's not going to be possible to use the name house music with steve pretty and joe cared it's, it's something about the the title being too long or or something anyway it's a real shame and it's definitely not my fault anyway while joe and i sort out our relationship issues let me introduce this week's guests and i was lucky enough to get a two for one uh, Rachel Paris is a comedian best known for her sharp satirical work on the BBC's MASH Report, 
which she was recording from home during lockdown. But she is also a superb musician, so she very often uses music in her comedy. And Marcus Brigstock is a veteran comedian here in the UK with all sorts of high-profile work to his name across TV, radio and the stage. He is also perhaps the biggest music fan I've ever met. All right. You go first. Hello, I'm Rachel Paris and I'm a comedian, actor and musician. Hello, I'm Marcus Brigstock and I'm her husband. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're sort of an aspiring musician though, right? Very much so. It's the dream, man. And you're a buff, a music buff. A bore, really. Yeah, nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jazz nerd. Are you not a music buff in that way? Rachel? I studied music at uni, so I know a bit about classical music, music history, and I know a lot about the technicalities of music. Mm. But I don't, I don't live it as much as Marcus does. Like, Marcus right. day in, day out is, like, harping on about Miles <laughs> Davis. <laughs> 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 I would say I don't have, like, that passion for a particular genre. Growing up, I mean, you sang a lot and you played a lot, but you weren't in a music cult, no. Right, so I was a goth, <laughs> and my gothness was defined by the music that I listened to. Yeah. And then a costume was, you know, there, there was a mm. way you had to dress as a goth. I've always belonged to, like, a specific type of music. Yeah, That's never been the case the, for you. the jazzers. But what role sort of day-to-day has music played in your house during lockdown? Really quite different roles. We have, like, Radio 6 on or Jazz FM, uh, but then we also, you know, we've got a piano... We've got a trumpet, we've got mm. various instruments and we will, like, I'll sit down and play the piano, Marcus will have a go on the trumpet and we'll quite often, like, have a bit of a, a sing-along. Not every day. We're not, <laughs> <laughs> we're not the Von Trapps. <laughs> That's great, but though. it is a big part of our household. I know it's a sort of the modern hipster cliche-ish thing, but making the case for vinyl, it's big and physical and you have to treat the thing with care when you put it on and you have to get up <laughs> and turn it over halfway through. Yeah, yeah. And that, for me, just reconnects me with, with the music. You know, I listen to music from a digital source probably more often than anything else, but it's a click of a button away, and therefore when it fades away and you're sort of disconnected with it, it, it doesn't mean anything, even a great, great piece of music. That's really interesting. This is uh, editor's note, but for next uh, series, I'm going to ask uh, people to just sit and listen to an album of, of their choice and do nothing else. Mm. Do because it's so rare. I mean, it's very yeah. rare that I do that. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm full time professional musician. So, I think with how busy we are now, mm. that challenge of sitting and listening to an album is harder than ever, and really connecting with it is harder than ever, and also has more rewards. When I think about it, the music that makes me cry and laugh the most and that I'm so passionate about is musical theatre songs. Mm -hmm. The melodies are so interesting. Mm. It's so weird to me how... Because, like, musical theatre has committed some crimes. There's no (laughs) doubt about that. (laughs) (laughs) But how how the crimes of musical theatre have angered some people so much that they basically decide that the whole thing the means of of telling a story Mm. through song 
should be in some way condemned. And I just think that's extraordinary. Mm. Mm. These same people, music snobs mostly, will accept, you know, a single piece of storytelling in a song, the Wichita Line Man, maybe. Mm. There's, I mean, it's just a, just a love song in a way. But, um, you know, songs with storytelling in, and they'll really hold on to them. And songs with storytelling in have been around for... Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, it's the the great epic, epic works of poetry and stuff were were originally songs, essentially. Exactly, and like the like Mm. leader and all opera, you know. And in terms of like storytelling and uh, that side of of music, Rachel, how as a musical comedian does your work differ when you you're using music with it from when you're just doing? Because you also do straight stand up, right? And of course, improvisation. Yeah, I do. For me, usually the way that I come to write a song is to have a really specific hook. The song builds itself almost, the lyrics and the music. I do usually lyrics first, more or less, Mm -hmm. and then I tailor them to whatever the melody is. With that stuff, what's music able to bring to that that goes beyond just what you can do with that, like a stand-up about your life, for example? Why turn that material into a song rather than...? In a way, I don't know. Mm. But, I mean, I'm I'm thinking of one song that I wrote recently that is quite an obscure concept that I think works as a song and wouldn't work as stand-up. Right. So it's a, it's about a, when you move in with someone, bringing loads and loads and loads of stuff from your flat and suddenly it's in their house. <laughs> quite an obscure idea. What a gift. <laughs> it's very specifically based on moving in with Marshall. Sure. And a stand-up is a bit obscure, but as a song, the comedy comes from the list mm-hmm. and then rhyming that, getting the scansion exactly right, mm-hmm. fitting it with the melody, turns it into kind of Gilbert and Sullivan. Isn't just an obscure almost, idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Almost, yeah, yeah. almost, yeah. With lots of the comedy that I enjoy the most, the audience arrives at the punchline before the comedian delivers it. Yeah. And as a fan of comedy, it makes you feel clever and it definitely makes you feel very connected to everybody else in the room mm-hmm. that you're like, oh, yeah, 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 we got that. Mm-hmm. Without being too nerdy about it, the tension and release of a joke. You know, here's, here's a premise and here's the release and da-da-da. That exists at its finest form in song. I think that musical comedy is, is only capable of delivering that again and again and again in a couple of minutes. Stand-up can't really do that. Marcus, tell us about your trumpeting. So Give us a bit of backstory, if you would. I, I, you know, I'm so stuck, man. I feel embarrassed to talk to you about it. So I, uh, the, the beginning point was just after Prince died, I said, it's absurd that I don't at least try to play an instrument. I love music so much. And so I tried the trombone for a while. And the trombone, you can make a good start on the trombone because it's not too hard to make a noise and an acceptable noise. And as I know I've told you before, there's the very pleasing fact that every time you get stuck, you can cheer yourself up with a... (laughs) Right? And then very suddenly, the trombone becomes extremely difficult. Mm. As soon as you start playing anything that involves any sort of speed... So I switched to the trumpet, which I much prefer the sound of, and started having lessons. But at various times, I've sort of stopped playing, and we were ill with COVID, and I kept thinking, in lockdown, I really should get back on to having lessons. Literally, all it is, like, a part of what is 
practicing more often you can't do it on your own you need to have regular yes hard every you need to have a lesson every single week Mm. without a break so we've got a couple of questions in. There's one from Facebook, uh, Ed on Facebook. Um, it's one for you, I suppose, Rachel. Why does a minor to a major chord change generate such an uplifting feeling? Nice, easy question. Well, good question. I'm afraid I don't know that I think that's a really complex acoustic question. Friends of mine studied acoustics at uni. Mm. I think there's a, a really complex reason why. But what I do know is that it doesn't, in loads of people across the world, it doesn't have that effect. So... I, for example, I used to teach piano to um, a girl from Kazakhstan and because she mainly, her music that she'd been used to growing up was kind of like Russian music Mm -hmm. and the music she'd grown up with was predominantly minor. So she didn't think of minor music as negative or as sad. She thought of it as normal, as Mm. sort of neutral and even as triumphant and beautiful and sentimental. And it wasn't that she couldn't hear a difference between major and minor, but that she couldn't hear one as sad and one as happy. So um, I'm afraid the answer is I, I don't know, but also you do, but not everyone does. At least to some extent, it's just conditioning. It's conditioning, yeah. yeah. Mm. The Western classical tradition that has influenced our pop music and everything is so predominant, is predominantly major, mm-hmm. and mm. it's got happy songs as major, and, it, you, and we use that minor turn to be a sad one, to be a, often a melancholic one, but in other traditions, they, they don't do that. And there's, mu- there's much more prevalence of minor music and therefore you have different attitudes to it. Yeah, that seems to have pretty comprehensively answered hasn't, that. hasn't answered their question at all. No, I think it has. But I mean, it's an, incredibly, it it's an incredibly difficult question to answer unless you're yeah, a, a, a musicologist. And the next one is uh, about drums. Why are mm. drums so central to so many musical cultures? That's so interesting. <laughs> mm. Well, I'll hazard a guess from a very much from a punter's point of view. I think that for me, music is often a solo activity, but probably at its best, it's a connecting moment. And rhythm enables that not just to be a moment like a whole song or a whole record or whatever, but literally a single moment that we all agree upon that, that everybody's got that. And we're all together now, 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 now. And I, fundamentally, I think human beings are pattern-seeking creatures. Mm-hmm. And a rhythm is connecting. And yeah. a drum is a brilliant way of creating that sense of connection. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Um, my friend Amy's a um, primary school music teacher. And the most successful ensemble that she's done with the younger years is create a, I want to say a samba Mm-hmm. group is samba predominantly drums yeah. different drum rhythms yeah. yeah so she's done that with little tiny children as well it's yeah. amazing from from like four to eight mm. and it sounds incredible mm. it sounds like a festival and of course like it doesn't matter what if any of them can play instruments the rhythm is the most uniting thing Mm. the most instantly uniting thing that they can join in with. Mm. And I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's make that very clear. But, <laughs> you know, our, our bodies contain rhythm within them. And, and when the beat stops, we end. And in the, in the womb, you can hear your mother's heartbeat. We talked about that um, earlier on in this series, the first couple of episodes. The first one was actually about pulse. So that's what you're talking about mm. in a very mm. real sense, the mother's pulse and yeah. the musical pulse are really connected, I think. Um, mm. And then, and so that's the kind of underlying framework. But then, over the top of that, is rhythm is sort of layered over that, right? So there's a great Neil Diamond lyric in uh, "A Beautiful Noise." 
it's the clickety clack of the train on the track it's got rhythm to spare and the whole the whole point of that joyful little pop song is about him sitting in new york and just listening to sounds drift up from the street mm. and hearing music in it well, that's a very interesting segue. Thank you very much for that, because the next question is, can anything count as music? Ooh. Well, <laughs> no. no. I t- like, I don't think... Yes, of course, ultimately, yes. But but also, no. I mean, th- there's a really... There's a, a book that I really like by Eckhart Tolle called The Power of Now, and it's all about just being in this moment and accepting this moment to include everything that it has... And there's a really good exercise in it where he's talking about just stillness and meditation and stuff and talking about a car alarm going off outside. And, you know, they are set at a frequency that disturbs us. But the whole point of it is to say, accept the car alarm completely. In fact, instead of trying to not listen to it, listen to it, lean into it. I've tried it and it works very briefly, momentarily, <laughs> and then you can't, you know, you can't do it. Like the cricket under the fridge, mm. right? So we have a, a pet chameleon, Roy, and he eats live insects and occasionally crickets have escaped <laughs> and they go under the fridge and you get that holiday noise. That brr, brr, <laughs> brr, brr, and I love it. And then suddenly I don't. Yeah. Suddenly I'm like, ah, God, bastard. And then I like move the fridge and go at it with cans of Raid and, and all the rest of it. I, but, uh, I don't know the dictionary definition of music, but to me, like there's a difference between sound that you can enjoy and music. Mm. I think what makes music music is some level of organisation. You've got sound you can lean into, um, you know, and be like, oh, what an interesting, you know, the sound of the wind in the mountains, mm-hmm. the wind in the trees and that kind of thing. But I don't think that's music unless we're using music in an incredibly loose poetic term. Mm. To me, it's, it's some level of arrangement, even if that's very loose. And I think even those musicians, just to get very historical for a minute, in the 30s, who were playing around with aleatoric music, mm-hmm. which meant music that is created through chance. Yeah. Even then, they created that chance exactly. via organised... It was very carefully organised mm. opportunities of chance. So, say, they'd, like, remove piano keys and replace them with something else. Even so, some decisions had been made. Yeah. I think music is something that has been created yeah. in some way. I've been fascinated for a long time about how close musical improvisation and comedy improvisation are. I think it's easier to impose music across comedy improv than it is the other way around. But basically, in short form comedy improv, you create a game which you explain to the audience, these are the rules, Mm -hmm. and then you play within the rules of that game. Sort of up and down a scale, actually. Mm -hmm. But there's, you know, anything that exists outside that scale breaks the magic of it. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's very, very musical. And when it isn't musical, the show isn't working. Yeah, I think there's loads of truth in that. I think, but the aleatoric thing um, is interesting, um, Rachel, because I write some music based around that. These days, it's about editing it afterwards with production and production music. So you get some really interesting stuff if you set, as you say, set the parameters of chance for something and then let it play out. You get some stuff that you could never just write if I sat down at the piano or drums and, and try to write something like that 
but there's loads of rubbish as well there's loads of stuff that's completely unusable <laughs> yeah. and so it's, it's then the musician and the composer in me then goes through that and say oh that's interesting if I recontextualize that over here and put something over the top of that or oh okay that could be and the way that ties into something like comedy I guess is that for me some of the best stuff happens by mistake some of the famous examples are the 80s drum sound that very kind of Phil Connors that was an accident mm. you know that was something mm, that was something mm. patched into the wrong place in the, in the oh, really? yeah, in recording studios patched through the wrong thing and they're like wait 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 what's that you know so there's loads <laughs> of stuff like that that can happen by accident Giorgio Moroder talked a lot about that with uh, I Feel Love mm-hmm. yeah yeah they doubled down this dun 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 uh, whatever it was, it's in doubles or tri- triples. It was just doubling down. It was sort of a series of experimental accidents. Like at school, the first time you get a ruler and hang it over the edge of yeah. a table and slide it further onto the table whilst pinging yeah. the other end and it goes... And you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. No one's ever done this. This is, I'm a genius. (laughs) (laughs) And then then go, right, jump off that chair and I'll do this. (laughs) I really want to do that this afternoon now. Yeah, It's my afternoon sword. Um, So I've probably got only one uh, question left. And that is, this is a question that I've been pondering a lot as I sit here in this this shed at the end of my garden full of... (laughs) toys in the world of pandemics and uh, terrible racism and everything else we've got going on at the moment is what's the point of music <laughs> please justify my <laughs> existence for me well we've got a very clear answer for you um i don't know what's the point of music why do we as humans sort of spend when i really should be doing something much more useful with my life why is it that music is is important to uh, to so many people and um, why when it has no kind of obvious all right okay i'm gonna go i'm gonna go full wanker on this answer the very fact that a human being is capable of asking that question like why is something what is the point of something is why music exists we wonder constantly about the state of things where did we come from where are we going what happens when this ends music is one of the very best ways we have of organizing thoughts and ideas and feelings into a pattern that we can recognize and it's when i say music is a safe place to do that it sort of makes it seem somehow that music sanitizes it and i don't think that that's right at all but i do think that music creates yeah a safe space within which we can explore all sorts of things i love when music makes me feel something big and that the feeling might be so happy that i have to jump up and down because faithless have created yet another tune that sounds like you're in a warehouse with a million people and it's quiet moments in blue and green that make you feel sort of held and soft and that something very beautiful is is happening it's that I think the capacity for human wonder organized through music and it must be essential because everybody everywhere all over the world has found a way of doing it I think that's a huge part of it everyone can do it which isn't always true of other art forms isn't always true of of dance or visual art or reading and writing and things like that that it is probably the most universal art at its most basic form. It's a sort of projection of emotion, I guess, because emotions are quite complicated, abstract things that you can't always describe in words. And obviously language is 
limited to people who understand it. But yeah, music somehow is you're sort of projecting your emotions and there's some some sort of empathy going on on some level. I think that's part of why a band changing direction can be so problematic for the fans, you know, because you learn that type of communication and it may be Paul Simon changing the arrangements of his songs so you can't sing along you feel like well now we're not talking to each other or or a band and their next album comes out and it's completely different in tone and style from the last and you're like this is a betrayal you've I thought we'd learned how to talk to each other and it's of course all that's a lie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, Thank you. Yeah. You've thoroughly justified my existence. Where's my clap? Where, where, where's, yeah. my, where's my... No, seriously, please, someone. Well, You're a someone. key worker, man. Yeah. You're a key worker. Please, I just missed the applause. Please, someone. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much, guys. Thanks. Pleasure, man. I nice like, to see your face. Nice to see your shed. I know, yeah, this shed. I'm very, I tell Look you at what, all the toys in there. This Amazing. time last so year, much equipment. I, this place was uh, a hole in the ground, and so I'm just wow. mainly, wow. I've been thanking my lucky stars that this happened this year rather than last year nice really appreciate it guys see you soon so there we have it thanks so much to my guests marcus brigstock and rachel paris do check them out on social media to see all the myriad stuff they're up to because their output really does put most of us to shame and thanks to you uh, so much for downloading this podcast and as ever if you've enjoyed it please do spread the word uh, if you can leave us a review on itunes or acast or wherever that really really helps us out so please do that if you can i'm off to spend my summer working away on the next series of this show and we have some incredibly exciting stuff already underway for this next stage uh, this series was all about how the different elements of music all sort of fit together but next series we're looking at why music exists we're going to be exploring the role of music in societies of all sorts and looking at how it helped to shape the human experience though to be honest i'm mainly going to be trying to justify my existence as a layabout musician during this time of global pandemic by trying to answer that question i put to marcus and rachel what's the point of music your homework for next time uh, and that's right this is a podcast with homework deal with it your homework is to sit and listen to an album from start to finish without doing anything else at the same time it can be any album of your choosing of course uh, but the trick is to just sit and listen no driving no washing up no building a conservatory at the same time just get the best playback system that you can whether that's a fancy record turntable and uh, some sort of valve amp and posh speakers or, or even if it's just your smartphone and a decent pair of headphones and just sit and listen from start to finish i suspect that like many of us i'm going to struggle with this one uh, because it feels hard to carve out time to do something like that but especially at this time when live music essentially doesn't really exist in most of the world it feels like now is the time to dedicate just an hour or so to really concentrated listening and i think that's going to be a really important springboard to start us off in the next series so let me know how you get on as always you can drop me a line on house music at stevepretty.com or at stevepretty on social media so if you have ideas for the show or if you just want to share your experience of sitting and listening do drop me a line i am gonna go before this storm comes in good old british summer thank you very much for your support and from me and my producer miranda stay safe and have fun <laughs>